Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. 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 Back to throw I don't know. Left Cleveland goes down to Cincinnati. I don't know. It's just somebody that was in our locker room asking for us to play for him and then goes to a different team. We play twice a year. Everybody can have their spin on it, but that's how I feel. No, I mean, it's just like any rivalry game. That's just how it is now. That's how I'm going to treat it every time we play them. But it's it's nothing, you know, there's no hate. That's just how it is. That's how I'm going to treat it. And I think that's how our team should treat it, too. All right, there you have it. That was Baker Mayfield throwing some shade at his former coach. Punk, bro. So you think Baker's he's a, a punk. punk? Yeah, he's a punk. Look, and I liked Baker. Yeah. I've defended Baker, and, and and I actually hope he winds up having a great career. I don't, I don't like to see number one bust, but that's punk-ish. Let me put it like that. Paul he might not be a coach. punk. That's punk-ish. I think I'll, I'll tell you what I think is going on there. Because he had a monster game, four touchdowns. That's a career high against his old coach there sitting on the sideline in this advisory role, assistant to head coach. I think what you saw right there is Baker Mayfield still feeling like a college kid. Right. Because in college, rivalries are a thing. Like, everybody hates your rival. You don't sure. talk to them. You know, you don't have friends on the other team. I think he still kind of has that college feel to him. And so he's thinking the Bengals are our rival. Like, this is another team in Ohio. Like, we're not supposed to talk to them. I do, though, think there is some bad blood within that locker room towards Hugh Jackson. And I'm trying to figure out is because they thought he was a trash coach or because he went to the Bengals and took this gig and he's on that sideline. Well, all right. First of all, did Baker, where Baker Milford started at where? Texas Tech? Yeah. Yeah. Then it went, where'd he wind up finishing his career? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. I mean, maybe not the hugest rival, but they, they're in the same conference, right? Yeah. It happens, dude. They fired Hugh Jackson. It would be different if Hugh Jackson said, Hey, I don't want to be here with the Browns anymore. I've ran this ship aground. I'm going to bounce over to Cincinnati. That did not happen. Like, Hugh Jackson was asking you to play for Hugh Jackson while he was with the Browns. The Browns decided that Hugh Jackson wasn't going to be the head coach anymore. At which point, Hugh Jackson took another job. Were you supposed to not ever work for the Bengals because he used to coach the Cleveland Browns? Like, Baker, you got to grow up a little bit, bro. That's ridiculous, and it's punkish. Now, maybe it speaks to – there were rumors all along that Baker and Hugh Jackson didn't really get along. Like, I don't know how much of that locker room – usually, if you have a coach that's not very good – you don't really have a beef with the coach. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, unless the coach isn't, is, is not very good and then he's got a bunch of dumb rules and he's making everybody's life a living hell. I can't speak to that because I wasn't there. Right. But generally dudes aren't, aren't pissy with the coach just because he was bad. This right. sounds like personal beef and it was punkish. But also, you, so you had Baker after the game. Demarius Randall during the game gets an interception that was and goes too. up and hands it to him. That yeah. was really weird. I think there's something going on in that locker room, and I think clearly it just speaks to the dysfunction with, that was in there right. between everybody. And maybe they blame it all on Hugh Jackson. I don't, I don't know if that's fair. I don't think it's right, but clearly there was something going on with the players and Hugh Jackson. I don't know what it was. I don't, there was some reports that said he was two-faced, and they said the, the image that he presented on Hard Knocks yeah. was not who he was behind the scenes. So there was a lot of stuff that was coming out of the locker room. But in any case, clearly – the Browns came out motivated. Yeah. And they did not love Hugh Jackson. I did think it was weird how happy Hugh Jackson was on the sideline, like while the team that he's on now right. getting smoked. There's a picture of him hugging Greg Williams and like laughing and chumming it up. I thought it was a little bit interesting. Maybe it's because 
Hugh Jackson could be the next coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. Don't as our do Jason it. LaCanfora, uh, reported earlier said Jackson is very well thought of within the Bengals organization from his prior stints there. He is a favorite of Bengals owner Mike Brown, who tends to do things his own way. I'll say. Yeah. Especially <laughs> when it comes to coaching hirings and firings. It would not be a surprise at all if this transition were to take place in 2019. He of the one and what was his record? Wait, no, it was two. He finished three and thirty-six three and, 36. and one as head coach in Cleveland. But it took him. He had one win his first two years, and then got two of them this year. Okay, so Cleveland historically, or for over the past decade, has been here in that division, right? Yes. And the Bengals, although not at the top, they've clearly been like yes. above. You would take, you would take the architect of a three thirty-six and one bottom seller dwelling team in that division and make them the head coach of your team that has been better than them over the last 10 years? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I think it's dumb, but here's where I think it's coming from. He was there as an offensive coordinator. Some of their most successful years they had on offense came when Hugh Jackson was in Cincinnati. That's why he got his opportunity as a head coach because of the success he had in Cincinnati. Okay, Mike Brown, apparently the owner of the Bengals, is really comfortable with like no change. He so if he if he's willing to go because he's Marvin Lewis is one of the longest tenured coaches in the NFL and yeah. probably shouldn't be correct lack of, lack of success in the postseason. Right. So maybe Mike Brown's like, well, if I'm going to make a change, I'm not going to go too crazy. I'm going to bring somebody I'm kind of familiar with, and then it kind of makes it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make it, any that's sense. That's how you can see you can kind of connect the dots. All right, dots connected for me. Um, <laughs> but trust me, he strikes with, me. He strikes me as the type of guy that. And maybe this supports what you were saying about the Cleveland locker room, right? Because I don't know. But he strikes me as the dude who would say all the right things, right? So you're asking why he's over there chumming up on the sidelines and acting. Yes. Like, it could be an act. He comes across way too, like, polished at times. Yes. And there are dudes that are like that. Have great interviews, and then you get them in the job, and there's really no substance. Like, they can't do the job, but they can talk their way through an interview. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're buddy-buddies with the owner, buddy-buddies with the GM, but yeah. then there's really no substance to them behind closed doors when it's time to game plan or or develop talent and stuff like that. And maybe maybe he looks like that to me. I don't know. He right. Lo- he does look like it that. It does seem like that. Yeah. That's because everybody's always getting along with everybody. Yeah, everybody. Hey, hey, hey great guys. Get a lot of co- they get a lot of jobs doing you know that. They're a lot of pit players. You know what that. they're made for? What? They're made for coordinating jobs. Position yeah. jobs. Those aren't your head guys. They're but not. I, haven't you seen a lot of players like that too during your tenure? Because I saw a lot of players who were okay and they survived a long. That's why I kind oh, of yeah, picture totally. Chase Daniel. Totally who had a pretty nice game uh, for the Bears on Thanksgiving. But I picture him as a guy who's coach's best friend, yeah. like always going to be there early. Yeah, company rah, rah. guys. Company yeah, guys. Which yeah. is which? Every every organization has them. Some of them are genuinely good dudes. Other ones are just they just kiss some butt and that's how they survive so long and they get paid. Listen, millions of dollars. there are a lot of there are a lot of dudes like that in the NBA that wind up. Like that and work themselves right up into the coaching ranks because of that. Like yeah. it's networking and, and it's part of like it's the good old boys network. It is. Same in every league. They've tried to educate us. I don't know if they did in the NFL, but when we, you know, they had these awareness meetings when you were in the NBA and they talked about drugs and they talked about, you know, um, and they talked about finances, like finances and they talked Domestic about violence. relationships. Correct. Yeah. Um, and, and one of them was just on how to maximize your time as a pro and networking was part of that. I didn't do great with it. Like I did it, but I, I was never there just trying to, be the company dude. Like I right. was there competing, trying to win. Like I wanted to play. And you know, guys, I've seen guys leverage being that good guy into like straight up the the, the totem the pole. Like see it all the time. Crazy. Yep. Uh, I think what'll be more fascinating to see what happens with the Browns because Greg Williams got a, a win now, nice win over yeah. a rival. All of a sudden, they're having a little more success. Baker's playing better with Freddie Kitchens calling the plays on the, on the as the offensive mm-hmm. coordinator. Do they keep? Greg Williams is head coach. I think that's the more interesting conversation because I think Hugh Jackson is head coach of the uh, the Bengals. There would have people 
picketing like lines out front well, saying don't make this. What happen. do you think they should do in, in um I think they need to wait and see how the season finishes out, but I think if they're they, they put invested a first round pick, a, yeah. oh, number one overall pick in Baker Mayfield, I would bring I would go with the trend of McVay, Golf, um Matt Nagy and and uh Mitch Trubisky, right. an IRA coach who's running the current type of style that you're seeing in the NFL. Yep. And maybe they have that with Kinchin, so we'll have to see. But I would let it play out. Like I wouldn't do anything right yeah. now. Yeah, like if he finishes on this trajectory, then yeah, you like, might want to if you and if he win, if they win a lot of more games, like if all of a sudden they get it up to around five hundred, yeah. then you're thinking, all right, maybe there is something special right. there. Uh all right, so from one team that had a monster game, the Cleveland Browns, another one that was okay, and that's the New England Patriots. So they played against the Jets. Everybody and their brother had money on the Jets. I think ninety percent of the public money was on the Patriots. Excuse right. me, it was on the New England Patriots, twelve and a half or thirteen point favorite. They actually cover in the game, winning by fourteen, but it wasn't exactly pretty. It was they scored a couple touchdowns late to get the cover and also get the win. Right. Brady was kind of his typical self. He was twenty of thirty one for two eighty three, two touchdowns. Gronk was back. He had three catches, fifty six yards. But there is something, and I don't. I'm going to make clear. I'm not doubting the Patriots because you never do that in this right. business. You're right, not right, allowed right, to do right, that. Right. I did it earlier in the season. They were one and two. Don't hedge it. Go silenced. ahead and say it. I got silenced pretty quick. I still look at them, and I would not put them in the same category as the Chiefs. And even the Steelers, who I know they lost yesterday to the Broncos on the road. Ben had an awful interception there. But at least you saw the uh, the Broncos putting up a ton of points, and their offense looked prolific. They got big playmakers all over the field. The Patriots did this yesterday, running the football, getting a lot of, you know, getting like establishing the line of scrimmage. I'm starting to wonder if their style of play is still relevant in today's NFL. I think that's fair. I mean, they don't do it the same way some of those high-powered offenses do it, but... Um, that doesn't mean they can't beat those teams. You know what I mean? It would just take the certain, the right set of circumstances on any given night for it to work. Um, so I think it's fair that you have that. But what I do like about them is you know Tom Brady can do it. Yep. Like you know he's going to get it done when push comes to shove. If Sony Michelle uh, and whoever else they have in that backfield, if they can run the ball, um, that gives them a balance that, you know, I've always said about the NBA, what it would take was just a, a, big man to come along that completely no one could guard him in the post and it slowed the game down and you won with that recipe and then everyone would have to shift away from the small ball and all the three-point shots and and like i don't know if it could ever happen but i always felt like you'd have to have almost the opposite start to take place right because you're not going to beat golden state with the horses they have playing the way they play right so maybe if they can do this and be super balanced and really slow the game down to some degree they'd have a better chance of beating uh, the Kansas cities, the, the New Orleans, the Rams at, at what they do best. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's not what the Patriots are going to do best. Right. And Belichick, I mean, all these, all these defenses are getting shredded right now. Belichick is a defensive mastermind. Maybe yeah. he has a plan to stop these that some other teams don't. Uh, to the point about running them, they had the most uh, rushing yardage since 2014. They had 215 yards total. Sony Michelle at 133. James White at 73. So a pretty good performance on the ground. If you get yeah. that balance, that's another way to keep it away from those yeah. offenses. If you want to establish the time of possession and just play keep away, that's a way to work too. You know who should have been running the ball? The New York Giants, the New York football Giants, who had a win in the bag against an Eagles team that was reeling. Yeah. The Eagles were like throwing the towel. They looked like they had quit. And then, you know what the Giants did? Because uh, Saquon Barkley went off after the game. They gave him five second-half touches, 
And you know who called him out? And I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr. this time. What, you ain't got no problem this time? Not this time, okay. no, because he's right. And if you, if you, if you're right and you do it diplomatically, yeah. I'm okay with it. He said afterward, knowing they are struggling, talking about the Eagles with injuries in the secondary, personally, I would have loved to attack them, but that wasn't in our game plan. I think he's talking about th- uh, throwing the ball a little bit more too, but 15 touches in the first half for Saquon. He had 131 yards. And then the second, as I mentioned, five touches, only 11 yards, both lowest for any half in the entire season. How does this happen? I would like, how does this happen? Right, somebody fell asleep at the wheel. Yes. Like, I mean, I, there's really no explanation for a dude that shredded someone in the first half to get his least amount of carries in a half all season in the second half of that same game. That's ridiculous. This is where somebody, and usually team, like there's a lot, there are a lot more analytics coming into play in the NFL that people, that people don't really know about. So like you'll have somebody that'll be charting, you know, offensive plays. Right. How many times is Barkley getting the ball? Are we getting enough touches? What does our run pass balance look like? And those should be fed to your offensive coordinator, your head coach throughout the game. Somebody should have gone up and said, Hey, the numbers are right here. We're not getting Saquon the ball enough. And somebody should have alerted to that. And that's got to fall on Shermer's shoulders, too, at some point. Sometimes there just has to be a point of awareness. Hey, listen, <laughs> okay, if I'm on a basketball court and I'm cooking, I don't give a damn what the numbers say. Get me the ball. Like, if I'm running a play in basketball and you can't stop it, I don't care what kind of balance we need to have or what the analytics right. say. I'm running that play until you stop the play. Like, and then I might run something else, but then guess what? I'm coming right back to that damn play to see if you stop it again. Like, there's gotta be an eye, like, can we get an eyeball? Can we get yeah. someone watching and just right. using common sense? Right. And that's, that's where, that's, but that's why they have those people on the staff that aren't, they're dedicated to one thing. Right. To count those touches to make sure, like even Odell, like, hey, make sure we're throwing Odell the ball enough. Make sure we're calling enough plays for him. And somehow that got overlooked in the bigger picture. And it's, it's inexcusable for that to happen. Uh, you know, there's going to be a big shift in the power rankings this week. You know oh. Why? Because <laughs> my man Kirk Cousins was on yeah. fire last night going off for 342, three touchdowns and no interception. And a monster win for the Vikings over the Packers. But you know what that did? No, that's not a monster win. You know win. what that win? Oh, how yes, How does that qualify as a monster win? Here's why win. it's a monster win. Because for, for the Kirk Vikings. Cousins, yes. For the Vikings. Yes. But not because of opponent no, or anything like that. There's but, just, you're, you're saying it's a monster win because the Vikings why, needed a win. Here's why I think it's a monster win. What? Because Kirk Cousins need, I think it was a monster win for Kirk Cousins specifically because there is this narrative that's starting to be generated about against him versus two over 500. Dude, the Packers aren't any time. good. I know, but he's played in prime time and had bad performance he's just coming off one where everybody's saying oh Kirk Cousins can't win the big game can't win in prime time can't do it and I was worried about him. the first couple throws he threw a little off target I thought he was a little bit rattled yeah settled down and again goes toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers one of the best quarterbacks of our time and goes and outplays him out in the field. let me let me ask you a question put you in a scenario you tell me what you do okay yep um third and one quarterback sneak right boom yep. You got your two big, I don't know who you're following there. You're following what? Your, your, yeah, your, your center, center and your guard, right? Yeah. Boom. They bury a hole for you. You slide through there. You pick up three. Boom. Those dudes are laying on the ground. You get up, right? Those dudes are looking up at you like that. As a quarterback, do you help them up or do you go back to the huddle? Oh, I'm helping him up. Okay, that's what Kirk Cousins did not do last <laughs> night. And that's why I don't mess with Kirk Cousins. Real talk. I was watching it. And look, I don't. Here's the deal. But the dude was looking at him, and I pay attention to the little yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I would always look out for the offensive line every single dude, time. he just protected you, cleared a hole, got you where you needed to go. I swear to God. The dude was looking up at him like that. Kirk Cousins didn't even think twice about walking away and going back to the huddle, man. All right. And so someone else had to come in and help the guy off the ground. 
Here's what I'll say. I'll defend my man. All right. As a quarterback, you got you a hurt lot the arm. of stuff going through yeah. your head. Yeah. You don't know. Maybe they had a quick call True. the next play. True. You had to get up. Maybe had maybe he was worried about getting a signal. There is a play clock that you're under pressure. Like the time is there. But if he was aware, if he looked at the guy and the guy was looking at him with Danny, those puppy dog like, eyes and saying, please give like, me a I'm hand. I'm giving him. I'll help. I'll stay there and I'll care. We get a delay a game. It, I'm it just, help him. it, it, um, like I'm it's making a, a joke thing. about it, but oh, it's yeah. a little thing that I'm Absolutely. like, uh, that should matter. I think that. From everything I've heard about Cousins is that his teammates do like him yeah. and that he is a good leader. So we'll, okay. we'll, we'll, we'll right. look at that one and say, all right, maybe it was just – You will. Standing. I yes. will. <laughs> all right. You can remember that next time. So, but that did – that does have the Vikings at the top of the current standings. Right. The wild card race. So they're 6-4-1. Games remaining. couple tough road tests coming up at Patriots, at Seahawks. Then it gets a little bit more manageable on the back end. Dolphins and then a couple uh, divisional matchups at Lions and then the Bears at home. If, if stacking them up against the other teams, the Vikings, Redskins, Seahawks, Panthers, and Eagles in yeah. that wild card race, I think they're the best team available. I, the Seahawks, I think, would make a pretty consistent, a, a pretty tough argument against them. Well, here's why I like the Seahawks because you got the Niners. The Vikings have to come to you, and then you have the Niners again. The Chiefs probably a loss, but then you got the Cardinals. So like, I, whether yeah. like that's just the schedule. The road for them to get there seems a little easier than than the Vikings road. For me. We agree the Redskins are out. Correct. Because they got Colt McCoy issues. Uh agree the Falcons they're not even in it. No. The Eagles are out. Yeah. I think the Eagles are out. Uh the Panthers, I would give a little like three weeks ago, I thought Cam Newton was having one of his best years. I'm yeah. thinking, this team has got it right. They've lost three in a row. They've lost some serious mojo. So it, I don't I don't count them. I think the Seahawks and the Vikings would be all right. If you're taking the two teams here, I would take the Seahawks and Vikings to shore up those wild card spots. What, what happened? like the Panthers again, they played well yesterday, it looked like. Like they played well and like too well to lose a game. Right. So here's where you know we talked about Cam Newton a lot. Yeah. One of my frustrations with him is that is inability to like really focus and put in the work and like do the little things. Right. I think one of the little things is making sure your team doesn't have a three game skid and you can't put it all on one guy, but I do think it does come down to a leadership issue where I don't think the ultimate thing to Cam Newton is, is winning Super Bowls. I think he likes being a star. I think he likes having good games, but I don't know if he has that chip on his shoulder mentality of we are, there's no way we're going to lose three in a row. You know what I mean? And it's kind of, yeah, but I don't know if that's fair to Cam. Like he didn't play bad yesterday. No, he, he doesn't play, he doesn't play that bad like, in his games and they're asking him to do a lot. I mean, and you got a defense out there that's given up, uh, yeah. like, you know, the fourth and three, that one that Russell Westbrook, like, and that's Cornelder. Yeah. Like Cornelder's a Miami kid. Like, I want to defend you, dog, but how long are you going to run chest to chest with a receiver before, like, he's in the end zone, my man, look back for the ball. Like, if he had just, so yeah. Cam can't do that. True. You True. know, but yeah. I hear you. Yeah. All right. So I think we can, we'll, we'll, we'll put the Panthers in that group. So I think it's a three team race between the Panthers, Seahawks, and Vikings for the wild card. All right. We got to continue to recap. Our guy, Pete Prisco, I want to ask him what he thinks about the firing that took place in Jacksonville. We'll get to that and a lot more next on Off the Bench. So you're the NFL news, Nathaniel yep. Hackett mm. fired, uh, as offensive coordinator for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, we need to bring our guy Pete Prisco. Nobody knows right. this team better than uh he does. Pete, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Good. What's up, guys? On a Monday. All right, you're better you're doing better than Nate Hackett because he got canned this morning. This to me seems like bad season, underperforming, somebody's gonna take the fall. So Doug Marone says, All right, we're gonna put in our offensive coordinator. Our offense is atrocious, haven't been able to do anything. Even though Blake Bortles is the same quarterback back there, I don't know what else you expect him to do. What's your thoughts on this firing? Well, I don't like it. Uh, look, Nate Hackett's the fall guy. He's not the reason the offense stinks. The reason the offense stinks is a bunch of different reasons, and I'll start at the top. They drafted Leonard Fournette fourth overall. You never draft a running back fourth overall. 
uh, when you don't have a quarterback. They could have taken Patrick Mahomes in that draft. They could have taken Deshaun Watson in that draft, and they did not. There's problem number one. Problem number two, they decided to load up and spend a lot of cash A, draft picks, and money on the defensive side of the ball in an era where you should be catered to the offense. Mistake number two. And mistake number three, Doug Marone, I'm going to be a tough guy and run the football, play power with my offensive line, and that's not how you win in the NFL anymore. So, uh, plus, number four is there are a ton of injuries on the offense. Uh, I mean, how many teams can handle losing your top two left tackles, your starting wide receiver, your running back barely played all season, uh, you lose your top two tight ends, it's, and now your center and your left guard. It's been a disaster all year long. But to blame him for this mess, uh, that's ridiculous. So, Pete, let me ask you, how do you fix it? Like, we are where we are. Is that the first domino to fall? Is this a house cleaning across the board at the end of the season? Where do you go if you're if you're Jacksonville? Well, you know, I thought that if they went seven and nine and, you know, six and ten and showed some upward signs that Marone would stick around. I mean, after all, he was a whisker away from being in the Super Bowl a year ago. But I don't think that anymore. That team came unglued on Sunday at Buffalo. I mean, to have Leonard Fournette put his helmet on and come off the sidelines to get into a fight when you have a first and goal at the one where you need him in the game, he gets tossed, you get penalized, you move back, you don't, you, and then all you get is a field goal there or you miss a field goal there. Bad look for that team. It's a bad look, and it's a bad look for the head coach. This team has been undisciplined the entire season. They talk too much. They don't back it up. They blow coverages. So I think they need a change entirely across the board. Uh, and I'm not sure they're going to do it. Those two, those guys all got two-year contract extensions a year ago. That's a lot of money for an owner to pay for guys who aren't working. Pete, so last night we saw the Vikings beat the Packers. The Packers dropped 0-6 on the road. Aaron Rodgers just uh, – you can almost tell like body language. I mean, we used to do it with Jay Cutler all the time. I think you see it with Aaron Rodgers too. Like he's yeah. disinterested. I think you can tell he's kind of upset with the play calling. Is their season done? I mean, their schedule's manageable, so they still have a chance, but it just feels like the end of the Mike McCarthy era is coming. Do you see it playing out any differently? Well, I mean, they got they can make a run and get in. I mean, obviously, you looked at the schedule. The schedule's not daunting. They can do it, but they're not a good football team right now. And, and you know, with the problems on the defensive side of the ball, it makes the offense press even more. And he was getting hit. I mean, he was getting beat up a little bit. The offensive line had major issues as well. And, and you mentioned, you know, Mike McCarthy. And I, I think his system has been outdated for a while. You know, they run a lot of ISO routes. Uh, they, it, they don't get creative like a lot of the teams do in the league nowadays. And I think Rodgers is frustrated by that. They don't have guys who can line up and win consistently other than Devontae Adams. And when you double him and you go ask guys who are inexperienced to go win and they can't, that's going to lead to problems. So I think McCarthy will make it through, though. I'm in the minority on that one. I think one more season, uh, they'll try and retool the thing. And then if he doesn't win next year, then he's gone. Um, so you know who's not frustrated? Andrew Luck. Right? He beat the Dolphins yesterday um, for their fifth straight win, Pete. Is he ahead of where you thought he'd be uh, coming back? Well, yeah, but once you saw him early in the season, it was a different guy. I mean, look, it took him a couple games to get going, but like week three, week four, you saw he was back to being Andrew Luck and driving the ball down the field. Early in the season, he didn't drive it at all, and I'm sure he was a little hesitant. When you tear up that shoulder and have it surgically repaired, you're going to have some kind of problem in your mind uh, just letting it rip. But when he did let it rip, he was back to being Andrew Luck. And look, he's a great quarterback. I have always thought that you know he's one of the few guys in this league 
that elevates a team, you know? Great quarterbacks cure your ills, bad ones expose them, and he cures a lot of ills. Uh, he's done it for a long time, and this year he's doing it very well. That team's getting better, by the way, on defense, and uh, they got a legitimate chance to make a playoff push in the next five weeks, and I think they have a chance to win the division. Well, that's what I was going to get to. Who do you like more down the stretch in this division? Do you like them or the Texans who are riding this winning streak that they've got going? They play tonight against the Titans. Who do you like better on this one? Well, I think I like the Texans because they have, what, the, the two-game lead now on them? Uh, you know, if only. And remember, we go back to yeah. week four. When Frank Reich gave the Texans life, I mean, he all he had to do was punt the ball away there, and he'd probably get a tie uh, late in that or in the overtime. And what does he do? He goes for it. They get an easy field goal and win the game, and that gave them life, and they haven't lost since. So for me, uh, they'll look back on that game. And Frank Reich, for all your aggressive approach and everything, sometimes you got to be smarter than that. Uh, so I still like the Texans, but I think the Colts have a legitimate chance to push them at least to the final week. I would counter that that Frank Reich move, even though it didn't turn around their season right away. I thought that built a lot of confidence in the players and the, and the head coach and saying, we like this philosophy, and it kind of instilled a mindset and an attitude that, that we're not going to be the same it, old Danny. cult. I'm telling you, <laughs> hey, I'm into it, the Danny. mindset. I'm into it. Danny, so you can spin it both it. ways. This is what turned Danny, the cult look, season you, around too. Yeah, you, you, you know what? Players all say that. I don't believe that. You gotta <laughs> give me a break. It, when, when Belichick, did, remember when he had what, the play I termed fourth and jackass when he went for it in <laughs> India a couple years ago? I mean, yep. that, did, that did, all that did was instill confidence in the Colts to go win the game, not in his own team. I, I don't believe any of that stuff. We'll see. I, in two look, weeks, they go to, they go to Houston. We'll see how it works out. Two weeks, they could the avenge that loss. The better team will win. The better, the better quarterback might win that day. The better defense will win. It's not going to have anything to do with the philosophy that they instilled in week four. Stop Intangibles. It. Hey, Pete, um, let's talk Lamar Jackson a little bit because we got a little bit more of a sample size. Didn't run him nearly as much. Uh, yesterday, what is the next step for Baltimore in this whole process with trying to develop Lamar? Does does Joe Flacco play again this season? Like, how do you think this thing unfolds? Well, he's pedestrian as a passer. I mean, let's be honest about it. He's not a very good passer. It's a one read and run. Uh, and even when he dry, does try and fit balls in there, he's not accurate yet. So he's got a long way to go from that standpoint. But I also think it's going to be tough to take him out. But then I ask this question. They, you know, the games they won, they beat the Bengals who are awful on defense. They beat the Raiders who are awful on defense at home. Would Joe Flacco have won those two games for the Ravens? Probably. The answer's yep. probably yes. Yep. Yeah. So, so what do you do? It's a tough decision. I mean, he's given him some life. I've talked to some people in Baltimore. They say he's improving every week, throwing the football. He's not quite there yet, but he's improving every week. Uh, it'd be hard for me to take him out. But I, again, I mean, Flacco would have won both those games in my mind. But don't you think the bigger reason why they would stick with Lamar Jackson is they want to figure out, all right, we're probably going to move on from Joe Flacco. Let's start looking towards our future. And, I mean, just knowing head coaches, they're not going to make a change if a guy's won back-to-back, just superstitiously alone. Like, a lot of coaches do buy into that stuff. Yeah, and I think the players around him uh, believe in him more now than they did when he took over as the starter. So I think he does stay in there. Uh, But, again, I caution because look at the opposition. Look at his passing numbers. Uh, there's something you can't run and survive in this league. RG3 sends his uh, notice to, about that, believe me. And, and you have to be able to throw the football from the pocket and go through your progressions. You know that, Danny. It's not safe running around out there. I know that better. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's no. spot on, though. You can't be out there running like that. Um, talk, talk. Let's talk about Phillip Rivers, obviously, because I've been saying all year. Like, I mean, they're 8-3, and three, and I guess they're in the division with Kansas City, but like they're sneakily a really, really good football team, and Philip Rivers went off yesterday. How long do you think he can do this? Do they need to lock him up? Do they need to restructure the deal? What is he, 36 now? 
Yeah, but you know what? 40 is the new 30 when it comes to playing quarterback. I think Brady and, and Breeze are both showing that. So I, I think he's still playing at a high level. And you know what? They had a, you know, that was a little blip last week against Denver. They don't lose that game. They're smacking the race. I still think they're in the race. They, they got a big game this week at Pittsburgh on Sunday. Then they have to go to Arrowhead in a couple weeks. Now they don't beat the Chiefs, but at some point you got to try and beat them. Uh, if they go to Arrowhead and win that game, they have a chance to win the division. They can do two things you must do in this league. They can throw the ball with a great quarterback in Rivers, but they can also turn their pass rushers loose. And we saw Bosa get a sack on Sunday. And for me, that's telling for them because when you can score, put points on the board, turn your pass rushers loose, and they have Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa, that's a big advantage in a passer pass rusher league. All right, I have one last question for you. If you answer it wrong, you're never allowed to come back on off the bench. <laughs> Who is going to go down as the better all-time quarterback, Dan Marino or Phillip Rivers? Oh, Dan Marino. All right, perfect. Yeah, there we go. Because I saw Marino, some of this mumbo-jumbo going around there. Hey, You're right. By the way, Dan Marino is the greatest uh, passer in the history of the league, period. End yep. of story. Boom. No doubt. Boom. Yep. He would have 6,000 yards a season playing in today's NFL with the rules, with the pass-happy offenses, the way everybody flings it all over the place. 6,000 yards a year if, he would have. He would shatter every single record. If, if it was by a, the if way, be <laughs> By the way, Danny, if I had my choice, of any quarterback in their prime in the history of the league with the rules the way they are right now, my pick would be Dan Marino. I'm with you. Best pure passer the game has ever seen. Boom. Boom. That's, that's why Pete's my favorite Boom. guest on here. All right, Pete. Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. All right. All right, guys. See ya. All right. Let's take a little quick break and we're going to come back to a little college football because we had some shakeups out there yeah. in college football. It's going to affect the landscape for sure. That's coming up next and off the bench. All right, welcome back to Off the Bench. Tomorrow's show, I'm going to tease it right now. Yeah. We are going to have a massive conversation about today's generation, right? today's athlete, versus the 1980s oh, athlete. Correct. We're going to see who translates and who doesn't. Okay. So it's coming tomorrow because we just had a monster argument during our break. Again, we should put cameras in on the break so people can listen in. Sure. We're going to do that tomorrow because I think some, as we were just talking to Pete Prisco, Dan Marino would throw would for 6,000 yards, <clears throat> would translate 100%. But we're going to do all that tomorrow. All right, college football. Crazy weekend. Yeah. So, we saw Oklahoma, West Virginia. Oklahoma gets the win. Crazy game. High-scoring game. I can't stand it, though, because the Big 12 gets trashed. Sometimes it's deserved because of the lack of defense in that conference, but it's also because of the offenses, which no other conference runs top to bottom. The offenses like the Big 12 does. So the Big 12 is getting bashed. Oklahoma saying, oh, they can't win with anybody. Their defense is horrible. Their defense is bad because they face some of the best quarterbacks and the best offenses in the country, just to get that out of the way. Ohio State, they have a monster win that oh. no one saw Coming. Did I call that Michigan? I called that, didn't I? No, I don't know. I think I had you, Ohio State with did you? plus five. Dang it. You had Michigan covering. Dang it. Although I didn't see that coming. I didn't, I think I said that Michigan was going to win by a field goal late because rivalry games are traditionally close. Nope. They put up 62 points against that defense, which was supposed to be, you know, one of this generational type defenses. That thing is awesome. I'm, that didn't happen. I'm historically off that bandwagon at Michigan and I had just jumped on it. You had. It was the first time I had Harbaugh just said Jim Harbaugh is going to get you something. You had got on there and you do, and you just got on at the wrong time. Kai, let me ask you a question before we, we dig into any of this. Yep. Um, the kid at Oklahoma. Kyler Murray? Yeah. He wasn't fantastic, but it was a big win. You don't think he was fantastic? I didn't think he was fantastic. I Like, Dwayne Haskins, I thought was yeah, fantastic. He was, he was fantastic. I didn't think Against Kyler was... Incredible defense, and West Virginia's defense is not incredible. But Tua also was really, really good. 
Tua's been perfect all year. Right. So my question is, did either of them make up any ground in the conversation? Or like, was it, did they have the moment that you always talk about? So I got to close the gap for that garbage. Did I you? said that Tua doesn't have a moment. I don't think it should be insulting to him. I think it's a compliment to how good his sure, team is. Totally. Because it's been kind of you're boring. Just rolling people. Yeah, you just watch it. And literally, he has played the position Tua has almost perfectly. That was perfect. Sure. I think there is a T. And I think there is a U on the Heisman Trophy already. Right. I think the only way you erase that and scratch it off, if he has two or three interceptions versus Georgia, and Kyler Murray has a phenomenal game against Texas, and he puts up the same type of numbers he's been doing all year, and he right. wins the Big 12. I think that's the only way that Kyler Murray has a chance. Because Tua, and now he's he's playing with extreme efficiency. He's number one in quarterback rating in the country, but... He's got a 212 rating. Kyler Murray is right behind him as far as efficiency goes. Sure. And then numbers statistically, it's really not close because Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins both have significantly better years passing number wise because they're playing more games. Like right. they're playing, like two is sitting on the bench a lot of At times in the fourth yeah. quarter because yeah. the team is so good, which allows these guys to go forward. So the reason I was brought up the whole Heisman moment conversation is because Historically, like you think about the Heisman and voters, I think it resonates when you have a moment, whether it was and a moment doesn't, doesn't even have to be on the field. It's something like Desmond Howard after he scores his touchdown does the pose. Yeah. Char- uh, Charlie Ward at Florida State had a monster run against Florida, like leaps in the end zone and he like just hurdles the guy. It's the, it's the replay that you always go to whenever they have Charlie Ward highlights. Right. They played him this past weekend. You see that play for him. I think Baker Mayfield was in Columbus against Ohio State after the game, gets the flag, plants it on the field. Like there are just some things that stand out because Tua has just been like they get up, they go up seven nothing, then they go up ten to three. And they go up 17 to three. And then, like, no one's really watching. There's not much drama to it. Right. So I, I don't, like, I'm not trying to knock two at all. He's been close to perfect. I think the only thing that really hurts him is his team is so good. It looks so easy that I think that could hurt him. But I think he's going to win because he had the hype coming in because of the throw he made in last year's championship. And then maybe that really is his highest moment because it came into the season with right. the throw on second. Set him up. That set him up. Which is rare. You don't see guys lead the race and finish it the same spot. He hasn't been knocked one time all year. Yeah. So I think the I think the 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 Heisman is his, and it's really his to lose. Like he'd have to have a bad game again versus Georgia, for right? Him not to win. And one game. of those dudes would have to absolutely explode, specifically yeah. Kyler Murray. Yeah, because I think Dwayne Haskins a little bit far, and he's playing Northwestern. Right. So like that moment won't be that big of an opportunity. Where against Texas, the team you lost to almost brought him back for Kyler Murray. Right. That could be something for him. Gotcha. So I think there's, there's this conversation developing because I think we're all anticipating what the top six are going to look like from the rankings released yeah. this week as the regular season is done. You're going to the AP has Oklahoma five, Ohio State six, Georgia is fourth. I think that'll be the exact same thing you see when the committee comes out. So there's this conversation. Obviously, Georgia or Alabama, one of those teams is going to lose. Georgia's a 14, you know, 13 and a half, 14 point underdog playing against Bama. People are assuming Georgia loses. So let's make that assumption. Okay. Let's assume Ohio State and Oklahoma both win. That's the debate that's going to be get. Who has that four spot? I don't think it's really much of a debate. I think it's pretty easy when you look at it. I think it's Oklahoma's spot. If they win and they beat Texas, I think it's Oklahoma's and I don't think there'll be that much drama to it. Um, I think you're right, but I also think you're wrong. I think I think Ohio State hasn't wait, lived wait, up. Which, which is going to be? No, I yeah, hey, no. I think you're I think you're right in that it won't be very close. Um, uh, and I think Oklahoma does deserve it more because of the way they've looked this year. But I think Ohio State is one of those teams. If you're truly looking for top four teams, they we we like 
we've kind of like glossed over all of the stuff that took place early in the season with Ohio State. I think a lot of that has crept into the program, um, and they haven't really fired on all cylinders all year. You saw a version of them, granted it was a rivalry game against Michigan, like that's them at their best. Like the defense was playing, right? The offense looked high powered. It looked like everything clicked. So where I disagree is that I'm not sure that Ohio State isn't a top four team in the country in terms of what they can be when they're at their best, if that makes sense. I totally agree with you. And I think I had a bunch of Ohio State fans saying, what do you think? And I was telling them, I think they might be one of the four best, but this is why we need eight teams again, or at least six, because I think it'll be a travesty. Again, if Ohio State plays the way they did against Michigan, they could beat anybody. And I'm talking Bama and Clemson included. They have the athletes, the four and five stars, to go toe-to-toe. They've got the quarterback. They've got the offensive system. Their defense is shaky, but we saw their defense step up and play good yesterday. And their defense is just as good as Oklahoma's. It's better than Oklahoma's. Right. As as bad as Oklahoma's played all season long. But – I'm with you. They could be a top four team, but they're, this is the problem with our system is that there's only four spots. And I think once you look at them and you select them, I think people will lean towards Oklahoma. Yeah, I agree. And I think, and I think what's really going to hurt Ohio State is the weakness of the other division in the Big Ten. And finally, the Big 12 might have figured this out and gotten it right, where because they have the top two teams play and they don't have divisions, they don't split them up, they have yeah. the top two play. If Oklahoma beats Texas, better win. It's a better win because it's a higher ranked opponent, and they get to avenge their loss. It's the yeah. team they lost to, and if you can say, "Well, we were better than that team," significant because we beat them the most recent time, right? I think that'll resonate with the voters even more. So i I don't I don't love the system. I think you know Ohio State four top twenty five wins. Oklahoma only has one. Their strength of schedule is pretty similar. Any effect if Oklahoma barely ekes one out against Texas, and and Ohio State just completely throttles Northwestern? No, I don't think Not so enough. because. Northwestern, just the, the respect just for that right. that team won't look good enough. And I think I, I anticipate Oklahoma Texas being a close game yeah. because that's what you've seen Oklahoma do all last year, all all season long. And I don't like people trashing their defense and saying, well, they can't be a top four if that's their defense. Yeah, because they've given up all these points throughout their tenure and they still win. Yeah, so they don't care. Like they're right. like, we're just going to outscore the other team. Correct. They almost did it last year against Georgia. All, they went toe-to-toe, gave up a ton of points, but they still put up a ton of points. Cavs did that do? a few years ago. It's a different style of play, but it still works. That's yeah. what's what should matter. Not, the, not hey, we can knock them because they don't play defense. Right. about rewarding I'm them. really worried about point differential, just worried about exactly. W's and L's. That's all that should Correct. matter. Uh, so there was a crazy game in the SEC. LSU, Texas A&M. I can't, so I had Texas A&M minus three. They yeah. were a three-point favorite. Mm. They were, they were in control a lot of this game. Then it comes down to the end. LSU, Texas A&M. How many overtimes do you think they had? You saw this, right? I did not. Well, I mean, I, I saw it. You weren't up late. I, I, was was up. Late. I didn't see it. Seven overtimes. Yeah, there was incredible. a lot of controversy about the officiating that took place. There were a lot of calls that LSU should have got their way. Ed Ogeron got the Gatorade bath at the end of regulation. Then he gets, then he ends up not winning the game, which you don't see happen very much. Uh, but ultimately, Texas A&M comes out on top and doesn't cover winning by two, which killed me. But that was one of the all-time epic games. You want to hear something else I don't love? Uh, we crush the Big 12 all the time. Where, is the, where are these defenses I hear about in the SEC? Why couldn't one of them get a stop when it was overtime? Like, why doesn't that conversation get had? Oh, we love it because it's SEC and they're out there doing all these, these great plays. It's the same thing. I love this game. I thought it was awesome. But you still saw almost over a 1,000 yards of, of offense on both sides of the ball. Like, why is anybody complaining? That wasn't a classic. I think it was. That was ridiculous. That's a lot of points. I wish I had I'd stayed up to see it. But uh, generally speaking, um, 
the more points, the better for me. Like yeah. I don't, I'm not even. Me too. Like, I don't care about the defense. And but here's what I do want to see. I want to see turnovers. I want to see some forced stops. And yeah, 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 yeah. Like in and, and, and defensive scores. You saw that West Virginia, no. uh, Oklahoma the other night. You saw it in the Rams, uh, Chiefs. I'm game good for defensive moments. Yeah. Right. But sure. I don't want like I don't I'm want not seven to ten like exactly. football games. I'm not into that. You know what that turns into? That turns into a field goal kicking contest. Yeah, nobody, nobody wants, wants to see that. a nine six game. Correct. How can, I'd rather see this game seventy four seventy two anytime. Even though there's NFL guys in the field, you saw incompetent quarterback play a lot of times when there's defensive struggles. Right. So I'd rather see that one anytime. So it is end of the regular season. You're seeing head coaches start to get fired. All of Cliff Kingsbury let go at Texas Tech. Larry Fedora at North Carolina will get yep. to their uh, new hire. But in a rarity in today's game. You saw a coach who's coming off a bad season uh-huh. at USC. USC underperformed five and seven, their first losing season since 2000. A lot of people like speculated that Clay Helton was going to get canned. They come out, put out a statement. Lynn Swan, their athletic director, says, nope, we have confidence. We are sticking by our man. I think it's a good move. I don't hate that either. Yeah. I don't hate it. Let me ask you, how much of the way they looked against Notre Dame – Played into that. Do you, th- do you imagine it was like a fence sitting type of situation? They looked good. Question. Yeah, they and they do fought. have a lot of talent. Right. Right. They fought. Like that's what I would think. And you might be onto something. I think it might have come down to the yeah. fact that they at least kept it competitive for, you know, for four quarters. Because I don't care about the records. I want to see as a team responding to a coach. Right. Like if you're trying to make a decision, I don't care if you go three and nine. If your team is fighting and they're still practicing hard and they're doing the right things and they're, you know, doing, they're showing some sort of life. And I'm okay with it. Right. And especially if you've got a coach who had back-to-back 10-win seasons, a Rose Bowl win, and a year removed from winning the Pac-12, I'm totally fine with it. Like, and it's one thing, like Florida State fans have been coming at me saying, oh, what are we going to do with Willie Taggart? Not a good year. Underperforming. I was there. I saw practice. Saw them still working hard. I think he's building something. I think it was an awful year. I don't want to undersell that. But I have faith that he'll get this thing turned around. I think you have to make – you have to separate yourself from the emotion right. of having an awful season – Say, all right, do we really want to start over? Because that's what you're doing. When you fire your coach, you are starting from scratch, and you might be in a worse situation. Yeah, grass isn't out. always greener. Not always greener. And you have to also take into account that you lost, you lost Sam Darnold, right? And, and this is, is this guy's a true freshman? Yep. Like, I mean, yeah, JT Daniels, true freshman. True freshman. High school year. Correct. Come on. And he's pretty good. And yeah. they're building around him. Lynn Swan did say, we acknowledge and understand our deficiencies in areas that include culture, discipline, schemes, personnel, and staff. I mean, there's obviously a reason. I mean, it, and I think if anything, this says, "Hey, next year is the year." Right. Correct. If you don't, if you don't get a turnaround, you're done after the season. Like, we'll get you one more year. And I think that's. But wouldn't you describe that at any losing program? Like, I would say that I, that probably describes what happened to Florida State. Yep. There was a losing culture mindset that had kind of crept in. Discipline issues. You saw penalties all over the field. Sure. Schemes. That's any. You're, you're exactly. correct. Miami. Any, Miami is going through all of that this yes. year. Like team. Any yeah. team that's on the cusp of do we keep our coach or fire him? You could describe that. Uh, in that sentence right there. So I think it'll be interesting. And I think, but I actually think it's the smart move. I think going through coaches, Miami's done it the last decade. No, it's been too, too many coaches. You need stability, man. Exactly. You yeah. need stability to kind of get things turned around and help some recruiting too. All right. We got to finish off. We'll hit on UNC's next head coach and the match. <sighs> watch. We'll I bought it. I didn't watch it. On off the bench. Panic. All right, welcome back to Panic. Off the Bench. Let's finish off some leftovers. So Friday, the much hyped match, yeah, the match, the match, Tiger and Phil. Uh. Phil ended up winning on the twenty second hole with a five foot birdie putt. Yep. Did you watch? Uh, I watched the first hole for the two hundred k. I had every intention of watching the whole thing. I purchased it. Yep. Um, and then life got in the way, 
and I had to get <laughs> out. And I, when I I got the final score before I came back to watch it, and I had lost interest in it. So I did not get it because yeah. I was traveling. I went up to Columbus. It was actually during my flight, and I was if I would have bought it, I would have only been able to watch like the first forty five minutes. Right. I was like I'm not going to buy it. And then I was kind of following along on Twitter, and I was trying to see like, do people like this? Are they into it? What was the I think the vibe was, well, first of all, it's a complete fiasco with the pay-per-view. Right. Because of a ton, like, I think it was in the hundreds of thousands of people bought it and then couldn't get it up. Oh, wow. Could not stream it. Really? So they ended up offering it for free to everybody. Oh, I wow. think they're going to lose a lot of money in this e- whole picture. Except Phil's not going to lose his $9 no, million. Phil's so got not that. Lose that. But I don't think the golf was that great. I don't think the trash talking was as engaging as it, people thought it would be. So, again, I watched the first hole. Yeah. It was cornball central. Right. Like listen to those two dudes like and I'm I'm a fan of both of theirs. Right. It was too corny. Like I was just gonna mute it. Right. Just because it almost I seemed like the two. kind of trash talk that you hear at the club, the country club. Yeah, it's but like guys by, like way older dudes than them. <laughs> like, oh it's gonna be tough watching them go away to college. Yeah, I know, dude. Tell me. Like it was right. I, I don't want to hear that. And I thought they were gonna have side bets galore, like right. all over. Now Tiger did lose four hundred grand in side bets, but there were only eight that took place in the, I would have liked to seen them every hole. Right. Like every hole talking smack, and I guess there were some that you know, they were actually given odds like, hey, I'll give you three to two for a hundred grand if I, if I hit this one in the fairway or, you know, like there was all kind of different. So things. Phil got nine mil and then took Tiger for another 400. Get him, Phil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he got him for another, him, another 400 there. So, uh, we'll have to see if it gets done again. I mean, I think it, ultimately it was a learning process. Yeah. Time Warner who put it on and Bleacher Report, but you know, they spent like, now was it 1999 for, the match was that high def because I saw our buddy Dave Sampson put out something. It was high def. Okay, I was high def. Get it. Maybe um, he just got ripped off. He just had extra. Sam, yes, yeah, David Sampson, come holler at me. Um, Tiger Phil introduced by Samuel L. Yeah, right. They had Charles Barkley on the broadcast. And yeah, else. I didn't mind. Like, I mean, it wasn't great, but like Samuel L. All that was great. Excruciating to listen to Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods talk about how cool Samuel L. Jackson is. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. the whole convo for forty-five seconds to a minute down the fairway was. It was just really hard to listen to, dude. Little yeah. Cornball Central. All right. Well, that's good to note. Next yeah. time we'll get a little more authentic and we'll have that. All right. I want to make sure we hit on this. Uh, UNC fired Larry Fedora. The report's out that Mac Brown right. is going to be hired as the new head coach at North Carolina there in Chapel Hill. I love it. I think it's a great hire. He's taken – there are a lot of naysayers out there. He's 67 years old, hasn't coached since 2013. My man won a national title at yeah. Texas in 2005. He previously had a stint, recruited me in high school to yeah. go to Chapel Hill. Yeah. I, I almost went to North Carolina, even though it was a basketball school. Dang, bro. Almost went there because of Mac Brown. Right. He is going to recruit lights out. He's just okay. a guy that comes in. He's able to recruit families. Right. Like, and you can say, oh, what about you? I think he relates. I think his, he's, he doesn't have a problem relating to a 17 or 18 year old coming out. Yep. I think he, he, like, he just has a good personality. Like it's a, he's a people person. And I think he's going to be able to assemble a staff that'll rival any staff in the country. There's already rumors about, hey, possibly bring in, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, who just was fired at Texas Tech. Right. Dean Chizik, who, uh, you know, had the title at Auburn. I think he'll assemble a staff that will be impressive. And I think Chapel Hill is a spot where you can win with a coach like Mac Brown. Um, why? Well, I, I hope you're right because Chapel Hill is like a dream. When you talk about any sport, it sounds like the dream location. Like it Chapel is. Hill, it's UNC. It be, it's a sleeping giant in football if they could just get it going in the right direction. Right. It'll never overcome being a basketball school, but, 
If you're seeing Duke have success with David Cutcliffe, sure. you can absolutely have more. I think you can contend for ACC championships. Now, you're always going to be looking up at Clemson and Florida State, but it's not that the gap isn't that far to catch Florida State or Miami right. uh, as it's been the no, last no, couple no. of years. So I think they can get this thing headed in the right direction. Sometimes it's hard the second time around, though. Like, it, it really is. It's hard to capture the lightning in a bottle twice, you know? And yeah. not, not that he did the first time, but, like, you, you know, you've got this vision of what it once was, and now you're back in the relationship again. And the man's it's a not... beautiful person. He's going to do it. I hope you're right. I hope Mark, you're right. Mark it down. Hey, my boys want to go to UNC. <laughs> <laughs>